0: I think I just have this complete 100% acceptance with my imperfections, and I often say I use clothes performatively to express my identity. This quote coming from the accidental icon, Lynn Slater, in her conversation with Tally Abakesis and Kim France of Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. Hear more from Lynn who, in her early 60s, took on a second life as a world-renowned fashion icon and social media influencer. How she maneuvers the pitfalls of our youth-obsessed comparison culture and her ability to stay visible and relevant in an industry that ages out women and trends that transition from minute to minute. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. I was psyched to listen to the upcoming interview you're about to hear with the one and only accidental icon. I've been following her on Instagram for about a year now and had an immediate connection with her style, her confidence, and really just fuck all attitude of self-acceptance. And especially as she's a social media influencer and in such a competitive environment like the fashion industry. And her drool-worthy feed can get even the most style-challenged of us to see ourselves in the latest haute couture walking down the runway during fashion week. I haven't always had a flair for the current trends, and my daughter would argue, Mom, you still don't. (laughs) But to that I say, well, that's what I have you for. And thankfully, I gave birth to at least one style conscious member in our family. And as I've watched her practice, and yeah, staying current with the latest trends is definitely a practice, grow and evolve over the years, her confidence and self esteem has grown right along with it. All those early fashion experiments and makeup mishaps, of which there were many, eventually gave way to someone that others now come to for help, including myself. And believe it or not, her dad and teenage brother. (laughs) She's become my biggest inspiration and motivated me to look and feel my best possible self. Hey, if she can do it, why not me? Why not you? It's also a reminder that starting and learning something new, it's going to be messy. It might even be a shitstorm. But just as her face was at one point a canvas of brightly mismatched colors, so is the beginning stage of any new endeavor. And the trick is to love what you're doing. Enjoy the ride. Keep going until something beautiful comes from the chaos. A few years ago, when I was at a real low point in my life, going through divorce dealing with health issues, miserable in my job, and just feeling overall lost. I did what any normal human being would do when looking for answers in a midlife crisis. I googled it. (laughs) And what I found was a lot of really pessimistic and just depressing stories about life after 40 from women in their 40s. And one that I'll never forget was an article I found on Oprah's website written by a woman around my age and thinking, okay, maybe a little guiding light, a ray of hope here. I mean, it's Oprah, right? It's, it's got to be good. It's got to be empowering or something. That's her MO. But that's not at all what it was. Instead, it was a dismal account of what to expect as an aging woman and that you might as well just pack it in and give it up because it's all downhill from here, people. Basically telling us to just dig a grave and jump in because we've already got one foot in it anyway. I'm not exaggerating, (laughs) I really wish I was. And it's unfortunate that it's the kind of crap that we're fed and even spew ourselves sometimes as truth in our culture. And it's even more quote unquote true if we're single. And don't get me wrong, I love men. I mean, I love men. But I am much happier and way more fulfilled than I ever was when younger and married. And we all carry our own baggage around. But please, don't project yours onto others looking for support. It's exactly why I started this podcast. To get rid of these dumbass myths that because we're nearing or at the end of ovulation... We're somehow less relevant or viable. And in many ways, we're actually better than ever. That's the conversation we should be having. Not some end of days dystopian vision of loss and despair as we longingly throw out all our unused tampons and pads. And if you're one that believes life is over after 40, then I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to call bullshit on that. And to the author of that hopefully long buried article, I have something to say. We are fighting for our right to live. And we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We are going to survive. Bill Pullman, Independence Day. (laughs) Context could be a little off. I don't know. But I think I'm close. I realized something over the summer when I took to the trails that run along my neighborhood because hashtag quarantine and gyms were closed. And that's that what I wore had a direct impact on my physical reaction to the environment. But it's not something I paid attention to before. Like if I felt, you know, cute and put together, then I just noticed I I stood up taller with more confidence. Look straight ahead and make eye contact with people as they walk by. And if I felt, mm, let's say, schleppy, then my posture was more hunched, almost drawn in. And I might look down at the ground or away when someone came by. There was a noticeable difference in how I held myself based on my perception of how I looked. And because everything is connected, and my latest neuroscientist obsession, Dr. Andrew Huberman will tell you, looking at things in the distance helps relieve the stress and strain of our constantly dilated pupils from too much screen time. If you experience any dizziness or headaches while on your computer or phone, you might have what's unofficially called a digital concussion. And it's from overworking those eye muscles for too long in one position. It's a physical change in the eye that causes a physiological response in the body. And doing something like taking a walk, riding your bike, or just running outside and viewing things from far away can alleviate that strain and reduce stress. So just another reason to exercise and, of course, look your best Well, as best you can when out to sweat. Because appearance does matter. I don't always have the best outfits, best shoes or handbags, but taking care of myself and being put together when I walk out that door, it's important. And it's not always apparent or conscious, but like I said, I do act and hold myself in a certain manner depending on how I feel about the way I look. I'm not the only one. People treat me according to their perception of how I treat myself. And that reflects in the effort or lack thereof that I put into it. I get it. We're not always feeling it. And, and that's okay. But if at all possible, do it anyway. <laughs> I mean, we never really feel like doing a lot of things. I don't always feel like being a mom honestly, or going to work or brushing my teeth, for God's sakes. But I do it anyway, because feelings come and they go, but they sure as hell are not going to stop me from showing up for myself.
1: In most of the arenas that I've been in, I have not had to feel invisible, because I have a very strong voice and I use it
2: Hmm.
1: much to the chagrin of numerous colleagues. Um, (laughs) I spent my first 10 years of academia working in our school of law with lawyers Hmm. because one of my areas was the intersection between social welfare and law. And I literally learned how to ask really good questions and to not be intimidated in raising questions in public forums and having a voice. Mm -hmm. I think probably with aging, there's other sorts of things that happen, like when you're on the subway and, you know, I try to stay very fit. And then there's this younger person who's completely not fit at all and says, oh, here, take my seat. (laughs) <laughs> like I like I'm going to keel over and I'm a very frail person and I know they're probably being polite their mother probably told them to do that <laughs> but but I would have I would feel annoyed I would like yeah. I'm not right. that I'm not that I think what's ironic actually if you want to talk about visibility is that I've probably never been more visible in my entire life that I am now
2: <laughs> yeah I'm sure
3: now, I need to know, do you wear your outfit outfits like every day or are they just for shoots? Like, what do you wear when you're running errands?
1: I am a huge fan of jeans and oversized shirts mm-hmm. and sneakers. A lot of the clothes I wear are from my own wardrobe. Okay. Unfortunately, one of the changes is that I, I can't look too
2: Not put together because I'm always
1: (laughs) going to run into someone who knows me.
2: Right. Now the risk is like they run into accidental icon and you're like, yeah, in sweats.
1: Well, I don't mind being in sweats, but I have to be kind of put together. But Mm. I was very impressed when
3: I heard that you don't do any photoshopping, not of wrinkles, not of anything. Nope. You know, Instagram can be a really harsh place. Is that hard sometimes?
1: Not really for me. I think that is part of my appeal.
2: Hmm.
1: Right. I think I just have this complete 100% acceptance with my imperfections. I use clothes, I often say performatively, to express my identity. And to be honest, I think people don't even look at the Wrinkles. But it's, I've embraced the white hair. I do nothing to my face except good skin products. And I think that really is the appeal for so many people is that I've never been perfect on Instagram. Hmm. I think that that is
3: the appeal, but you're also very good at posing. Yeah. (laughs) You do a really good
1: supermodel. (laughs) It's funny in the beginning, I was sort of saying, okay, I can be in this space. Mm. And so I would deliberately have that non-smiling kind of model pose. Mm. And still even now I smile sometimes, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a big smiley person Mm. in life anyway. It's a more Mm -hmm. intimate thing for me. So, you know, I think I was kind of, pretending to be a supermodel. <laughs> and and then you became one. You know, it came out.
3: So it sounds, I mean, I feel silly even asking this question because it, it really sounds like you don't let yourself fall into the more superficial and youth-obsessed corners of social media.
2: But I guess the question is how? Like, how do you do that, though? Because I do. Yeah. I'm 47, and I, I feel shitty when I go on Instagram sometimes. So how do you not feel shitty?
1: Well, I guess... That was never how I considered myself.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And by that, I mean, I always dressed how I wanted to dress, not the way everybody else was dressing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are those young, gorgeous Instagram people. Oh, right. You probably Mm -hmm. do. And I guess it comes with accepting your age. Like, I know I can't be them. But that doesn't mean that I don't have something really important or special to contribute to the fashion or and now it's much more about life and culture conversation. And so mm-hmm. I don't feel intimidated by them.
2: That's exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting, too, because you're a grandmother but your vibe is also somehow like pixie and ageless. And so I was wondering if maybe you don't even think of your age at all. Like maybe that's just not a thing for you. I mean, it's sounding like you have just a lot of self-acceptance of where you're at in your life, but do you feel like you're not really considering your age when you do stuff?
1: Well, there's actually, again, research. Um, I'll never not be a professor. (laughs) There is, Two different kinds of aging. Actually, there's three. There is your chronological age, which would be I'm um, 67. There is your um, biological age, which is actually an assessment of your physical well-being. And mm-hmm. if you have taken care of yourself and you're lucky enough to be healthy, you can be a decade or two younger than your chronological age. Mm -hmm. and then there's a third kind which is how you perceive yourself as an age inside right and a lot of older people do not perceive themselves as their chronological age it's very fluid so i can wake up one day and i can feel like i'm 18 because i just heard Mm -hmm. a rolling stone song (laughs) and then that will influence actually what i might think about wearing that day Or another day I might wake up and I'm kind of like 40 and, you know, I'm at the height of my career and I'm lecturing and going to conferences. And then I might kind of dress that way for that day. Mm -hmm. So for me, age, chronological age is kind of meaningless. Mm -hmm. So I don't think about it.
2: Hmm. I feel like you're living the dream in some ways for people. You're well, you, I don't want to say being an influencer because you don't like that term, but yeah. you're doing photo shoots for Valentino, you're doing sponsored content for Net-A-Porter, you're traveling the world, or formerly before the pandemic. Or were. Yeah. Is it as fun as it seems?
1: I think for me, a lot of people think that I have this very glamorous life. Hmm. I think my life really has not changed so much from... Before I was accidental icon and after huh. we still live in a very small apartment in Manhattan, I pretty much am the same inside and out. Mm. I think the one difference for me, which I've enjoyed a lot is I got to do a lot more traveling. And I think interestingly, my work was way more interesting to me in the beginning. When I was doing a lot of stuff for free with independent magazines and young designers and these really creative photographers, just being really creative and working with Mm. like amazing stylists. Then I think as the whole realm got more branded and commodified, and I guess this depends very much on the choice I make about who to work with. But for Mm. me, this has always been a creative expression. Mm. And when I'm not feeling creative, it's not going to be fun anymore. Mm. And even if that means I have to turn down money, which I have, I, I just can't do it unless I can be creative about it.
2: It's wild to me—the contrast between the being a professor and working in social work and child abuse, and then this Hermes glamour life. Like, it's really—you've managed to take your passions and just blend them into your lives. It's really amazing.
1: Well, I think you know one of the things about being a social worker that is great training is that you're always thinking about people and their environment. And I think, you know, my PhD is in social welfare. And people are always like, fashion, social welfare, what's the connection? And I'm like, Hmm. are you freaking kidding me? Human rights, (laughs) garment workers, inclusion, (laughs) environment. You know, it's so intimately connected. And I felt like it did help me. In negotiating how to be an influencer or how to have a platform that people usually look to for other things. But how do I negotiate the pandemic? How do I negotiate Black Lives Matter? And Mm. I actually felt very comfortable because I've had to do that for many years. I've been doing that for way years before everybody got woke right now.
2: (laughs) Right. I like this quote of yours that I read somewhere. Um, So the quote is, what I found in talking to young people all over the world is that my generation gets really twisted up about getting old, and the younger generation is not like that. They're feeling more empowered. They don't want people to tell them what to wear. They want to be okay being themselves, and they don't want to be against things. They don't want to be anti-aging. They want to create something new. So do you feel empowered? I
1: do, because I think I'm showing a different visual image of what aging can mean. And when people think about aging, you know, they think of people not being fashionable anymore and retiring. And, oh, my God, I'm going to be put in seclusion. I'm going to have to go off to a senior living community. I can't be part Mm -hmm. of the world anymore. You know, and these stereotypes are very strong. And they're not relevant because we're living much longer and we have better medical, you know, innovation. And so we're going to have a whole 10, 20, 30 more years of life that we have to think about how we're going to use them. But I'm also saying, and you don't have to throw away what came before. Everything Mm -hmm. that comes before is going to make you who you are today. And so I wouldn't people will say, oh, do you regret being in social work and not going into fashion earlier? And I say, absolutely not. Because that is why I am able to be, you know, the person I am today.
3: It strikes me that um, uh, there are things you do that other people can do, but what you seem to have that other people don't have is that you're still really cool, and I think that really <laughs> radiates from your photographs. It does. You look like mm-hmm. a cool person. Right. You're wearing cool sneakers. You you have a finger in youth culture still, and you're, and you're
1: kind of owning that. I've always been around people younger than me because I'm the oldest of six children, hmm. and throughout my career... I've primarily worked with young people. My early career was working with adolescent girls, which is how I went into the area of sexual abuse. And then as I moved into academia, I worked with young people. I listened to them and I have learned from them. And we've had much more of a collaborative relationship it's not me, the older person, telling them. It's tell me what you're thinking about right now. I can tell you a little bit about history. And you need both to do something new. So let's collaborate. Right.
3: Um Okay. I have to ask about your beautiful gray hair because this is a question this is a topic that comes up a lot on this show especially during COVID. At what age did you let your hair go gray and was that a tough thing for you?
1: Um, I let my hair grow, get gray when my daughter started college. So I was probably about 48ish.
2: Oh, my God, my kids, my oldest child is 12, and I'm 47.
1: (laughs) And basically, you know, she went to a private college, and it was expensive. And one of the things I said is, you know, my hair grows really fast also. So I was having to go in like every three weeks. So I was like, you know what, let me just do this. You know, I'm fortunate because not all gray grows in or looks nice. Mm. But I had a nice color gray. Mm, you know, there mm-hmm. was a lot more resistance from other people. Like people were right. like, oh, why don't you dye your hair? You'll look younger. Mm. Mm-hmm. And now there's so many amazingly great pro- hair products for gray hair. Will you share one with our re- our listeners? Yeah. Um, the um, hair line Orbe, they... Mm-hmm developed a line of products for gray hair called Silverado. Mm. And it's a shampoo, it's a conditioner, it's a treatment, and they're really, really good. They really work. And what I love about them is they're not purple, so that your hair doesn't overly get, your hair does not get purple or blue. And the, the other secret, the big, big secret to gray hair, is an incredible haircut.
0: To hear their entire conversation, tune into the episode, How to Be Iconic at Any Age, with Lynn Slater, Kim France, and Tali Abacasis. Links to that and their social media are included in the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.